I spend zero on marketing um, for the last four or five years doing what I do because OrthoK, most of my referrals come from other OrthoK patients. I had attended Vision by Design uh, and met you, you know, and, and I attended your supercharge, your practice, and, you know, it just resonated with me. It was a well-oiled machine. I was like, all right, great. Now I can carve that admin time and move it over to the developing the sports vision business. Thank you for joining the Dare to be Different podcast. My name is Nick Despotitis, and I've decided to interview who I view are the mover and shakers within our profession who made decisions that I found to make them extremely successful, both inside and outside their practices. Today, I have the unique pleasure of inviting my good friend, colleague, Jeff Klosterman. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Nick, uh, thank you for inviting me. I, you're one of my biggest mentors, and I, it's a pleasure to do it for you. Well, thank you, and I appreciate it. So rather than read the traditional bio, Jeff, I want you to go through where did you graduate? I want the listeners to get an idea of your mindset more than what you did, why did you do it? What apprehensive you may have had along the way? Because I have to tell you, I looked at your bio. It's inspiring. I got nervous just reading it. So why don't you start with where did, where did you graduate from and, and take me from there? Sure. Um, well, I'm a native of Northwest Ohio. And to be honest, you know, coming out of high school, I applied at one school. I wanted to go to the biggest public school in Ohio that I could... <laughs> that I could. So I went to the Ohio State University. Um, and really, it was a financial decision. My parents, my dad was a mechanic, my mom worked as the lunch lady in the lunchroom, you know, and I was the second person in the family to go to college. And so I, I couldn't wow. consider private options or out of state options. So I went to Ohio State, um, went into sports medicine, because I had bad knees when I was, you know, playing sports. And I think we kind of veer towards the things that we uh, get exposure to when we're, you know, in our youth and our high school. So I went to the ortho, the orthopedic all the time. And okay. so I was thinking I was sports medicine and kind of took a detour and ended up in, uh, in optometry and, and went to Ohio state optometry college as well. Okay. And then you graduated. Did you go into private practice right away? Take me from you. You're now you're done, right? That's yes. where we all feel really nervous. What was the next step in your career? Uh, next step, uh, we actually, I met my wife uh, last quarter of, of optometry college and we moved up to Cleveland because she had already accepted a job at the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, so we moved up to Cleveland and I got a job working with an ophthalmologist in Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, we spent a year there and we started sending our eyes south a little bit. We wanted to get into a little bit nicer weather than um, the notorious Cleveland winters. Okay. Um, yeah, so I worked for an ophthalmologist for the first year. And is your is your wife an optometrist? Uh, my wife's actually a radiation therapist, and okay. um, now she's a she's a professor. She teaches X ray at a local like the technical college here in Kentucky. So that's where you ended up in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. And th and did you open your practice at that point? Yeah, so we uh, we found a doctor in a small town similar to what I had grown up in and what she was familiar with. He was 82 years old. He was still practicing in the same building he had started in 50 years earlier. Uh, he was one of these guys that had, you know, license number in the in the triple digits uh, with no diagnostics and therapeutics. And um, so it was 
it was, it wasn't a cold start, but it was a very cool start. And, uh, we bought his practice and took it from there. Okay. So really a year out of school, if I if yeah. fall incorrectly, yeah. you were in Cleveland for a year. Yep. You moved to Lexington. 2006. And, and you bought, 2006. And yeah. then you actually m- bought the practice in 2006. Yep. Yep. And basically we were, we were buying Goodwill, you know, his, okay, yeah. his, his equipment, his, everything was pretty much outdated. He had a, he had a fantastic presence and um, people just loved him in the town. So that, that was the biggest thing that was going for us is that kind of passing of the torch from his patients to us as an endorsement was huge. Okay. So were you nervous? Like, you make it sound oh, yeah. like, yeah, we just bought this Goodwill practice, but me who, who has been in the field a long time, I know you must've been nervous. You just moved into the area. Not sure if you're going to stay there. You had to pay something. Did you, mm-hmm. did you keep him on? What was the process? Or did he just say, Hey, listen, good luck. Uh, I hope you're as successful as I am. We, uh, based on the, the geography and the location of his practice alone, we had to make it a, he was done on a Friday and I came in on a Monday. He had a wow. approximately an 800 square foot building in this historic downtown okay. with one exam lane and a very small space for optical and office. So there wasn't room for both of us. And it was a, it was a good clean transition for both of us, I think. Okay. So now you buy this, you know, mom and pop, 800 yep. square foot kind of weathered practice yes. with a lot of records, maybe a lot of goodwill. And yep. what did you do? You just start seeing his patients on Monday and just take me through that first year where you did. Did you make a good living? You know, wh- how did it feel yeah. that first year? I remember that first week uh, we opened the books up and I think I had one patient come in on Thursday. So Monday, I pretty much sat there and wow. and, and helped clean out his desk, you know, and, okay. and again, he was older. And so he wasn't, he was seeing patients three or four days a week, um, just kind of something to get out of the house, keep his mind right. Um, and so we just kind of waited and, and people would kind of walk in, can you get an appointment? And we, I remember my first patient wasn't until like Wednesday or Thursday of that week. Wow. Um, but yeah, slowly grew it into the point that we outgrew that building, moved into another building on main street. We, you know, we wheeled the, the Humphrey visual field and everything down the street on a moving cart and, uh, moved it into another building that was still only 1200 square feet, but at least it, it gave us a little space to hire additional staff. Um, eventually I got, I was able to squeeze a second exam room in there. Um, and, and we got in there and I think 2008, so about two years in that little tiny building. And then 2008, we went to the little bit bigger. All right. So let's, let, if I'm getting the time frame correctly, it's about 2000. What year did you graduate optometry school? It was oh, about five. Two, oh, five. 2005. Mm-hmm. And 06, you're in Kentucky. Yep. You buy this practice 2008. Now you take your records and your Humphrey visual field, you go down the street. And now how many square foot is that? 1200 square feet. It's okay. another, I mean, we're the town we live in, in, in uh, Kentucky is a beautiful town. It's outside of Lexington. It's the oldest settlement in Kentucky. I mean, this is the place that Daniel Boone had a cave. You know, it's it's um, it's the place that Lewis and Clark came and, and stocked up before their expedition. So it's it's a very old town, a lot of history, which is what drew us to the area. So yeah, moved into this okay. little downtown building that was you know old, 150, 200 years old. Are you nervous about signing the lease? You make it seem like nothing. You moved into twelve hundred square feet. Was it a one year lease, five year lease? We actually, we bought the building, you know, uh, that, that was the beauty of these older buildings, downtowns, you know, the, the actual capital outlay wasn't 
that intimidating, you know, it, okay. I, I think at the time it was maybe a hundred thousand dollar building, you know? Okay. And so, so it was easier for us to just buy it and take ownership of it. And we created our own separate LLC to own the building. And then our optometry corporation paid rent to the LLC and, and set it up that way. Now you had to have some apprehension. I mean, you make it seem like, yeah, I bought this little bomb and pop practice, basically goodwill. I buy this building. I'm, you know, it's not a big deal, Nick, but you must add some little nervous stomach or you're just very entrepreneurial. And you said, this is, this is how it should be. It, I, I, I honestly, I wasn't real nervous at that stage. Cause I okay. always had the, the dream and the vision of what I wanted. You know, I wanted a standalone building. I wanted to have multiple doctors. I wanted to eventually grow into this kind of what we would think of the traditional successful optometry practice which is what I, you know, when I was in college, I was coming home on the summers and I started working for my hometown optometrist. And I, right. I kind of was modeling what I was doing after his life. He did these fantastic things in our community. He was a softball coach for his daughters. He was involved with everything. He had this great, you know, eight to five job and, and then was around town and enjoying the lake on the weekends. And so I was like, you know, that's what I want to get to. I want to build this up, get another doctor. Um, okay. and, and so those early stages, I wasn't, I wasn't, too scared because I knew that was just part of the process. Did you have a family? Uh, so at the time in 2000, yeah. So when we moved down here, I moved down with my wife. Um, we moved into the new building in 2008. And then in 2000, uh, late 2008, we had our first uh, child. Yes. Our daughter Reese. Okay. Well, that's amazing. So uh, now you have this building. Were you working part-time because you started just two years ago, you were seeing one few patients. No, we were, we, we were loaded up. It's a, it's a small little town. There's a lot of um, manufacturing and, um, and, uh, and agriculture okay. and, and there, you know, there was just me and one other eye doctor in town. Uh, a Walmart came in about the same time I was doing all this, but they weren't able to, to keep a dock in there very long. Okay. So we were busy, you know, we all were right. busy. So you, now it's what, 2008? You're in yeah. your new building. You have your Humphrey visual field and your, your yep, records yep. with you. Okay. And yeah. are, are you doing orthokeratology? Are you just doing the bread and butter glasses, contacts, things like that? Kind of, kind of the bread and butter, but with a, with an emphasis on contact lenses, you okay. know, when I was at Ohio state, um, I, I think it was just one of those osmosis things. I didn't realize at the time how Ohio state was kind of this pinnacle for, contact lens research, uh, innovation, you know, my instructors are names that we all hear That's you right. know, now, uh, Jeff Walleen, Mark Bolamore, sure. you know, yeah. they'll get mad yeah. that I, that I mentioned those names in the opposite order, you know, um, yes. and, and just really pillars in the community. And so I came down trying to fit people in contact lenses because in the area, there was a big need for it. A lot of people said, you know, I've never been able to wear contacts. Right. My doctor said I couldn't wear contacts. Um, and I always liked those challenges. And so I just wanted to set myself apart and be the guy that could fit you in context if you wanted out of glasses. Now, did, did is, is that the location you're still at? I, I remember looking at your website, you had like a, a very interesting office. You, you know, was that, is that the office I was looking at, at back in the day? No, so that that office we built in 2013. We started to grow, outgrow the little Main Street building, and um, and so we decided to build uh, build a standalone, you know, 3,600 square foot office. You know, go big um, or go home. Yeah, go big, go home. Uh, I had a vision of what I wanted to do, um, so we bought an acre of land, built this building on it. 
Um, I wanted it to be focused on content lenses. So I put my content lens, I designed the whole layout of the building. Um, I'd been around enough eye care offices for long enough that I, I felt like I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, so I put my content lens dispensary right off of the optical and almost made it a showpiece as well. It was beautiful, meticulous, everything on shelves, you know, a lot of content lens trial rooms are tucked in a closet and trials are laying on the floor and right, on top right, of right, case. Right, yeah, right. they're just so I wanted it visible. I wanted people to come through the optical and be like, okay, it's very clear this guy knows, you know, content lenses and it's a big part of the practice. Um, and then yeah, the unique thing is we put in a, a drive-through window. Um, you know, at the time, you know, we had had our son in 2010 and I knew how much of a pain in the butt it was to get kids in and out of uh, car seats uh, and, and to just have to park at an office, get two kids out of a car seat to go in the office and pick up a year supply of contacts and then go back out. It was just such a nightmare for parents. And so we put a drive through window in and people could just roll through and pick stuff up, drop off glasses for repairs, uh, became quite popular. That was an innovation. You know, when I saw your website and I saw that, I said, this guy, we've all thought of it, maybe like, wouldn't it be cool back in the day? And here was someone who did it. So if I'm following this timeline correctly, you graduated in 2005. Yes. And literally eight years later, it's your third office, your third building, if you will, the 800, then you went to 1200. Now you went to 3,600, eight years later. You open up what really is was a dream office, Correct. and then you have this drive-through, beautiful optical things like that. Are you nervous now? <laughs> Are you like saying maybe did I bite off more than I could chew? You probably have your second. You obviously you had your second child. Second child. Right? Mm-hmm. So were you a little nervous? Did you own this building also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, yeah, the nerves got a little bit bigger as the projects got bigger. It's a big, expensive building. Sure. I wanted it to be a showpiece in the area. Um, you know, when we built it, everybody was like, "Hey, this is one of the nicest offices uh, in this community." We don't see right. doctors build offices like this a lot of times. They're, you know, metal frame buildings, and and you know, yeah. they look nice on the inside, but right. they're not these gorgeous right. kind of showpieces. But that's that's just always how I've been wired. Um, it comes from my grandparents comes from my parents. You know, we do things right. We do them, uh, we do them thoroughly. We, we plan them out and, and with attention to detail. That's, that's great. Again, you went big, you you weren't going home. So now it's 2013. Do you accept a lot of insurance plans? What does your practice look like? Does it look like the traditional, uh, optometric office vision plans, eyeglass plans, or were you private pay? Where were you? Yeah, tr- traditional office, really and truly. And and once I built the new building, it gave me the opportunity to bring um, a, a good friend of mine and my first associate in as a as an associate OD. And then that's that was always kind of in my timeline that once I get an associate OD, I'd like to start carving out times for myself to get into the things that I really enjoy. Um, because by 2013, I had attended Vision by Design uh, and met you. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I attended your supercharge, uh, your practice, and you know, it just resonated with me. You know, I brought home all these ideals from it. I remember you talking about the A patients, the B patients, the C patients. You can rank your patients, and because I really, really enjoyed some aspects of optometry, but I really, really dreaded other parts of optometry, and and I felt like 
even though everything was progressing in the direction I wanted it to, there were still a lot of things that were outside of my control, you know, insurances, co-pays, you know, dictating where patients could go, dictating what services they could have, what materials they could have in contact lenses, especially. Um, and so your, your, your lecture kind of inspired me to focus a lot more attention on my A and B patients, the ones that I got a lot of reciprocal, you know, love and affection and, and, you know, professional respect from, um, and focus a little less attention on, on the parts of optometry that I didn't enjoy. So 2013, 14 is when I kind of started that transition of playing around with a, a day for myself to develop ortho K, um, with the goals of starting to drop vision plans and getting to a private pay only type of model. Did you have that vision before vision by design or afterwards you left saying, okay, now I have a better vision. You know, you keep on using the word yeah. vision. So I'm trying yeah. to see where were you before and where are you afterwards? You know, I, I remember when um, I had bought my first OCT, you know, and that was a big expense. Yes, and, yes. and that was one that, you know, the sales, oh, you only have to do this many scans per That's day, right. per week, yeah, per yeah, month yeah. to make this bill. And I finally decided on it. It was the big, first big equipment purchase I had ever made. And I think within a month of getting it delivered and trained is when the reimbursement went to that big drop. You know, it was like a month after it I became, got it. It was a bilateral procedure. And then overnight, it went overnight. monocular, right? Yeah. In yeah. other words, and you did both. Now I gotta do, got reimbursed for one, right? Yeah. Now I got to do double what, you know, I thought I had to do to make the payment on this. And so that kind of kicked off the idea, okay, like never, you know, all of my plans aren't going to go as planned. You know, there's going to be variables I can't control that I didn't see coming. And that kind of changed my mindset. I was like, okay, I've got to be a little bit more agile. Um, I see where this is going, the direction of insurances and things like that. I need to start thinking ahead. And then, and then your lecture, um, like I said, kind of hit all those on the right frequency and, and it just kept that resonation of like, okay, yeah, this can happen. It's just, it's got to be thought out, but there's going to be some, you know, variables that get thrown in that I can't control that I'm also going to have to be adaptable to the idea. Okay. So this is a critical point in this conversation because I've given supercharge for over a decade. I mean, we met literally nine years ago and yeah. it was given it now very few people afterwards take everything that I give and, and run with it. Now you exploded with it because I remember you and you send me this, this um, letter that you took a picture of uh -huh. and you said, Hey, Nick, how's this? And I remember looking at this letter. It was a letter to an insurance company saying, I no longer want to participate in this plan. Do I, am I remembering you correctly? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, you, you talked about, you're never going to do anything that you really want to focus on unless you carve out time and say no to other things. And I was like, well, geez, this guy's a genius. Like I've heard that before, but for some reason, Nick says it and it, it, it makes sense. So I went back on that Monday and I was like, Hey, from now on, you know, starting in two weeks from now, Wednesdays are my Wednesday afternoon is my time. Don't yes. bother me. And I'm going to develop something and I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it, but that's going to be my time. Don't interrupt me. Don't put a red eye in my schedule. It's mine that this is, this is really important because it's two things. Now you, you started calling that Wednesday, your executive day. That was your term, not my term. Yeah. How did you carve out time? I mean, 
this is what I, I, I'm a proponent of what I teach. What, how did you make the time? I, I just did. I said, I blocked, I just went in my schedule and blocked it and said, you know, I brought an associate doctor in for a reason. Um, I've been doing, you know, five days a week, eight to five types of optometry now for, what was it? Eight years, you know, seven or eight years. How many and days a week? Five days. I was a Monday to Monday to Friday kind of guy. Yeah. I never did Saturdays, never liked it. That was part of the reason I went into the profession you know, is, is yeah. to have weekends with kids and, and sports and everything else. So, um, so I was like, you know what, I deserve this time and I'm not going to use it to do, you know, business development and look at my accounting and all that. I'm going to use it to develop an aspect or a pillar of my um, professional domain that I want to expand on and, and get out of some of these other rat race. Uh, types of things. Did you stay in the office? Because I know when I stay in the office, people come to me, Dr. D, Dr. D, did you stay in the office when you did this executive day or? Yeah, I I did stay in the office and it it was kind of funny because, you know, they'd still come and they'd knock on the door and I'd be like, I'm not here. You know, I'm not, you know, and, but, you know, we didn't really have a, a, a home office at the house at the time. Didn't have, we're in Kentucky infrastructure for internet was not great. It still is not great. So it's easier for me to work there at the office. Um, but eventually they, they got it. They're like, you know, cause patients would be like, I know he's here. His truck's here. It's right in the back. You know? <laughs> and, um, and I was like, well, Hey, this is my time. Okay. So you, you make a decision right away. You follow through, you get this executive day. And from that executive day, is that when you mustered up enough courage to drop? This was a major plan. This was yeah. a major plan that you drop. It was a medical plan, correct? Yeah. 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 And- um, yeah, so so I had been exposed to Ortho K in my last year of optometry school in my contact lens residency. We actually tried to put right after FDA approval the CRT lens from Paragon, um, and we tried to put it on my it was my girlfriend at the time, and none of us knew anything about it. But I thought it was <laughs> cool. And coming back from your lecture, I was like, okay, this is something that I want to develop as the Ortho K side of things. If I can get it big enough to where it's supplanting the income I'm making from some of these other plans, we'll just drop a plan, you know, and, and that's what I did. Well, you make it seem simple. I know I, I read that letter. It was a big insurance plan. I just recently dropped that. I was down to three. I shaked in my boots every time. And I've dro- dropped many vision plans, many healthy. Mm-hmm. I accept no plan. I accept no insurance whatsoever, but I could tell you every time I write the letter that you wrote, I shaked in my boots, embarrassingly yeah. so. Did you shake in your boots? Yeah, it. I mean, it, I'd be lying if I'd say it wasn't a little scary because the biggest employers are are manufacturers who all have vision plans. That's you know? exactly right. And and then you get this pushback from the community. You see people at you know uh, out to eat or at Walmart yes. or getting gas or like, hey, I'd love to still come to you, but I you don't you take don't my, insurance. my insurance. You dropped it. I'm like you can still come to me, yeah. you know, the insurance is the bad guy, you know, yeah. um, you don't have to go where they dictate you to go. So we, um, we came up with private pay models and things that were um, affordable for them to still come in. We started doing almost the early stages of concierge kind of plans, you know, where we did almost like a membership um, where you pay for an exam, but it covered a follow-up, you know, through the year. Okay. We kind of ro- rolled in contact lens fitting. So that wasn't a separate charge. Cause that's, Patients started to understand and comprehend that, you know, yeah, they tease you in with a, with a low, you know, your co- your exam's covered or it's 10 bucks or 30 bucks, but then the doctor's charging a content lens fee. They're charging an opto scanning fee. They're charging 
X, Y, Z. You know, right. I was like, we're just not going to do that. You know, these yeah. are our services. This is what I believe you need. And, and this is the rate that we need. Okay. So that you make it sound easy, but I'm sure it wasn't that easy. But then I said to you, Jeff, are you, congratulations. You sure want to do this. And you said to me, oh, no. I'm not done. I'm just starting. That was your email response to me next year or six months. I mean, you're a very organized guy. You went through yeah. in six months. It's this guy. Then I'm going to do this. And Nick, yes. I'm going to keep going. Is that accurate? That's, that's exactly what we did. We got three, rid of the, the big three vision plans, if you will. And, yep. um, and within about an 18 month period. Yeah. It, it was incredible. And each time, did you get nervous or you mustered up some courage saying, okay, we did one. We're still yeah. standing. We're going to do yeah. this other one. Yeah. We, you know, we, we had um, volume wise, we had plenty of patients to the point that we almost, if we stayed the traditional route, we were probably going to need to hire a third doctor. We were probably, you know, we were up to seven or eight employees. Right. And I was like, going this route, I don't need the third doctor. I actually can go to four or five employees that are really good and pay them really well right. instead of having seven or eight right. and kind of wondering what, what things are slipping through the cracks of the practice. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of emblazoned me to, to keep going. You know, I remember the old kind of cult uh, culture movie office space, you know, where they take the, the printer out in the field and they, you know, they smash it up with bats and they're kicking it and everything else. We did that to our Davis Vision Tower. I mean, we just beat yeah, the snot out of that thing. <laughs> you you know? and, and so many other past attendees. Yes. You yes. know, it, it felt good. It but felt I have great. to tell you, you, you the, the podcast is Dare to be Different. You're different. You just don't realize it because even for the person that really wants to do it, the thought of losing patient volume, patient mm -hmm. volume is so scary because we've been indoctrinated Busy, busy, busy is better. Busy, busy, busy means more income. But somehow in your head, you realized, no, it, busy is good only if the revenue is good. If, if someone could cut my reimbursement in half overnight, this yeah. I'm very vulnerable. And yet you took action on that. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it, um, I don't know, it just started to make sense to me. I, you know, I had friends, my best friend's an attorney. I have other friends that were you know, their professional hourly fees, my CPA, right. right. My, my buddy, that's a barber. I was like, I was doing the math <laughs> on how many haircuts he was doing and he was making more per hour than I was. And I was like, this just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. But yet you took action on it and you got to give yourself credit on it. I, I want to also pay another compliment. You taught me because I lecture, I see three patient, uh, three patients an hour. And I was so proud of it because at one time we were seeing six and you go, oh, Nick down in Kentucky, we're not that good. We only, I only see two patients an hour. Remember saying that to yeah. me? Yeah, I remember that. And really in hindsight, I was the fool, right? Because you spent quality time with your patient. So when you did decide to make the move and they said, Dr. Klosterman, I'd love to come to you, but I can't. What they really want to say is, please accept that insurance because I want to come to you. And exactly. you spent enough time so you, you had leverage. No, I'm never going to get someone that talks to me for 10 minutes, let alone 20 minutes or more. And you were setting yourself for that concierge type system well before you dropped it. And I think that's important. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, I always got annoyed at these conferences, you know, when people, doctors, you know, they get around each other. Oh, yeah, I'm booked out three months. I'm yeah, booked exactly. out. And I'm, 
and it's the worst kind of like bragging contest. I'm like, okay, but if you're, if you're bundling in five and six people an hour and you're spending a few minutes with them and you've got a scribe, like they are realizing as you get busier, your quality of care or your attention or your time with them is going down every year and, or every visit that they come to you, they might see you once or twice a year, but they realize they're getting less and less of your time. You know, less and less about their kid and what sport they're in and what you saw in the newspaper about them. And, and it just drives me nuts. Yeah. And, and I give you credit and that what's makes you different. I don't think it's a success you've had professionally. And we'll talk maybe outside the home, which is just as hard as inside, excuse me, inside the practice is being successful outside the practice is even more difficult. But now you're 2013, you come to Vision by Design, you take my workshop, you start running with it like like crazy. So yeah. take me through that process, because I think if I'm right, you ended up selling this practice, right? You're correct. Yeah, you're, you're and correct. what year did you end up selling it? Uh, late 2017, you know. So, so four so. years later. Yeah, yeah. Four years later. So what happened in that four years where it pivoted from – I'm going to transition my practice to more private pay, more specialty care, so I could spend more time with my patients to, you know what, in 2017, four years later, I'm, I'm going to sell this practice. This is long before private equity and long before people were selling their practices. Yeah, a few things. You know, one, I took OrthoK and, and I kind of applied it because I'm in rural Kentucky. There's not, you know it's not a, a big city. We don't have large Asian populations that had heard about ortho K or been doing it for years. So I was starting more than cold in a really wow. small area that had no concept of ortho K. Um, and I just took it and spun with it. And I mean, myopia control wasn't even on the radar. Most doctors or, right. or most patients right. yet. So I said, here's something, this is a sports crazy set part of Kentucky. Here's a contact lens that your child can wear at night, doesn't have to wear it during the day. And, and they can go swimming at the lake with, uh, without contacts or glasses. They can, they're going to get better at baseball because they don't have goggles on and, and you don't have to fight and put soft contacts in that get dusty and everything. So I used ortho K really as a, a lifestyle or a LASIK alternative for youth, for people that were too young for LASIK and even for adults that were scared of LASIK. So we started, we went crazy with ortho K. I think we, you know, in 2013, cause I had, I had kept, uh, I think from 2013 when I had met you and then 2014, when I launched ortho K, I spent an entire year talking to patients about it right. before, before I even fit a lens. And I just kept a spreadsheet of people that were candidates. And then when I felt ready to fit, and I thought that I had the processes in place, I started and we fit 50 some patients in the first six months. My gosh. Um, in a small little town. And, and I just remember Paragon vision calling and saying, who are you and where are you? What are you doing? Because you're, you're this dot on the map. That's not in this municipal region. We want to know what you're doing. And, um, and so I started speaking for, for Paragon. I started doing some CE, you know, lectures. I started to carve out more admin time. So now I'm down to three clinic days a week, but two days a week are are designated to ortho K and um, some of these other endeavors. And then I had kind of this massive moment where um, uh, an athlete from the University of Kentucky basketball team got drafted in the NBA. 
and or he was going to go to the NBA draft. Um, he wanted to get LASIK. He couldn't get LASIK. Uh, the LASIK surgeons in the area knew about me and what I was doing. Um, so they said, hey, why don't you go try this thing in little old Harrodsburg? He loved it. He had never worn a contact lens before. He had never been able to put a soft contact on his wow. eye. Wow. He had spent his entire basketball career uncorrected at 2060. Um, and, and he became my first ortho K patient to go to the pros. And, um, and I distinctly remember sitting at my little desk in the office one day and getting a phone call and on, you know, good old desk phones with the caller ID, you know, everything's on a cell phone. Now I see this NBA team on the caller ID. I'm like, what in the world are they calling me for? And, um, it was their, their medical director staff and they were wanting to know, um, I still laugh about it. They wanted to know what kind of doctor I was. It was a lecture. It was not a nice call. It was a, what kind of stupid doctor are you in Kentucky that you fit one of our new investments, lottery pick athlete in a content lens that he sleeps in every night. And I said, well, hold on, pump the brakes. This is a different type of content lens. This isn't a soft lens because he didn't explain it well. Sure. Sure. Um, and then they were intrigued. And then that turned into a follow-up call with their player development team and, and four other doctors. And then they said, do you do sports vision training? Cause we're always looking for an edge. And so in 2015, I was, that opened, that was a little door of opportunity. I said, absolutely. I do. And so I started, <laughs> I, I, I started, a I started a business called mind, um, mind performance. Uh, and it was a cognitive and vision training based business that I started to divert my attention to because ortho K was going smooth. We knew the program that wasn't, you know, the, the biggest challenge in ortho K was designing the program. It wasn't the fitting right. and everything else. Right. So we had that, it was a well-oiled machine. I was like, all right, great. Now I can carve that admin time and move it over to the developing the sports vision business. So that yeah. was 2015. And then by the time 2017, I was like, I want to go full go only ortho K only sports vision exams only, you know, consulting with teams and athletes. Um, I don't need the primary care anymore. I, I saw kind of the, I was always looking, I still am looking five, 10 years down the road. I knew enough in enough colleagues that were in other States where private equity was starting to come in. It wasn't really popular in Kentucky yet. Right. Right. But I, but I saw it starting to happen. Um, okay. I saw, I saw them starting to show up at conventions. So I was like, you know what? my, my practice is probably at its peak value now. And and this is a good time to sell it and focus all my attention on to what makes me the most happy and, you know, gives me the most free time with my family. You know, there's two big steps. If, if listeners could get two steps, it's not your ability to set this up. It's committing to number one, going to this uh, symposium, but number two, uh, making that executive day, yeah. which is very tough because you're, you're losing money superficially, or at least it looks like that because I'm sure you were doing something on that Wednesday, that, that administrative day. Then you, whatever you study on that Wednesday, you decide to execute, you drop insurances, which make, gives you more breathing room to bring in ortho K and later develop the mind performance and do cognitive therapy, vision therapy, sports vision, for, for lack of a better word, and we're going to get into that, yeah. and orthokeratology. And then you, you had the mindset to say, you know what? Let me sell this primary care, 
practice because really you keep on saying the word enjoy. What do you enjoy? Is it, it what do you enjoy that is motivating you to drive this forward? Um, a couple, uh, the biggest thing obviously is, is freedom, you know, freedom of time, you know, to my kids right now are 13 and 10, 11 years old and they're involved with everything. You know, my wife, uh, not that sports is everything. We don't let sports rule our life, but she was a, a three sport athlete all through high wow. school. I was a three sport athlete all through high school Jesus. and, and we just, enjoyed it. Those were some of the best years of our lives. They're some of our best friends. Our coaches are still, we still call them coach when we see them. Right. And, and so our kids are just very active. They each play three sports. Um, and not because we make them because they enjoy them. They love them. Um, they're in band, they're in choir, they're in 4-H, you know, if you name it, they want to try it out. And, um, and since these decisions, I've been able, you know, I work from home, probably 80% of the time, you know, I go into clinic now one day a week, uh, to see patients. Um, I travel, but I travel based on, you know, nothing's emergent. Occasionally there's a, there's a trip I have to do, uh, quickly, but a lot of times it's just, I can plan out when I want to travel and when I want to go see my clients. Um, and then I get to bring the kids along. I get to bring the family along. Wow. They've, get, they've gotten to, you know, the, the, the experiences they've had in the last five years, um, you know, at sports events, at Super Bowl parades, you know, um, have just been unreal. You know, my son and I went up to, um, I won't mention where the city was and who the athlete was, but one of my NFL clients, and we've just become really good friends. And his, his brother is, uh, his, his agent and his manager. And he said, Hey, he got traded to this team. Would you mind helping us move? Because, um, you know, we like you and we trust you and we don't trust sending some of this stuff with the movers. And so I drove seven and a half hours with a trailer and, and took my son along. This was just two days ago. And, and we loaded a bunch of his stuff up and, and brought it here. We're storing it at our house in Kentucky because we have the space for it for a month or two. And then we'll take it to his, his new house where he's going to be playing uh, this coming season. That's, and, uh, you know, I just need to stop because you skipped five years here. You <laughs> you sell your practice and now you're working with NFL players. I know you work with collegiate players, high level college athletes. So now it's 2017. We got five years now. And yeah. just up to yesterday, you're moving an NFL player, not because you're strong and big. I'm strong and big too. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't doubt that, but, but it's because they trust you, right? They yeah. trust you. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I'd like you to take us and just bring us home on now you develop this, this mind performance Institute and you're bringing in ortho K you're bringing all sorts of visual perceptual and cognitive therapy into it. How did you end up working with the NFL teams? It just couldn't be coincidence. Uh, the, you know, the NBA team uh, that I started working with in 2015 you know, it was in a city that had, you know, they had hockey, they had baseball, they had football, you know, and so, and, and all those trainers are in that community, you know, so, so when I started working with the basketball team, it rolled into the football team, uh, actually the, the MLS team first, the men's soccer team. And then that, you know, when I'm working there, the, the football, the NFL representative came over to see what I was doing, you know, one of the visits uh, at the MLS team. And so I, I was kind of working for three different professional sports wow. teams in one city. Um, and then, you know, I'd travel to them 
once or twice a year. And then the rest of it was remote and consulting on what technologies they should employ, how they should use them, when they should implement them. Um, and then of course, players move different teams, you yep. know, when they, yeah, they won right. a Super Bowl, and most of the receivers that I worked with scattered. Now, you know, some people are like, oh, that stinks. You were working with that team. They just won a Super Bowl. Look at all the cool stuff you got to see and do. I was like, yeah, but now I've got an in at six different teams, you know, right, right. and I've got trainers that went to different teams. So it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's nothing that it's all been organic. It's all been relationship based. I spend zero on marketing um, for the last four or five years doing what I do because ortho K every patient, you know how it is. Yes, uh, most of my referrals come from other ortho K patients. Um, most of my NFL or NBA or whatever teams and clients come on recommendation from other, you know, others I've worked with in the past. Um, it's nothing that I can just put on the website and say, Hey, you know, I want to work with NFL players and, and <laughs> no you know, way. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just word of mouth and, um, and it's just respect driven and it's a mutual professionalism. Um, there's, I think a lot of mistakes that optometrists and other healthcare professionals make when they first start getting into those college and pro teams. Um, and I think I avoided some of those pitfalls and that's, that's really helped me out. Do you want to talk about those pitfalls? Yeah, maybe some of them, maybe some. All right. Of them. Well, so yeah. bring 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 us bring us home now. So you, it sounds like you're working from home like eighty percent of the time. Yeah, and twenty percent of the time you're doing your clinical, your yeah. fits, things like that. You're going yeah. out, you're doing your screenings or, or or therapy, whatever you you're doing. Correct. Yeah. So um, Synaptech is a technology that actually was. Uh, it's based out of Beaverton, Oregon, where, where Nike, you know, Nike is headquartered. Um, and they have a sensory technology that I was implementing in my sports vision business in mind um, as kind of my core and hub piece of equipment. And I was always on the phone to the CEO challenging him with like, hey, this machine should do this. This technology should do this. Right. Um, and so around that transition of when I wanted to sell my practice, he said he kind of recruited me and said, we'd like you to have a bigger role with Synaptech. So, um, so I have a role, uh, as director of sales and director of business development with, with Synaptech. Um, I've been doing that for officially for about three years. Um, and then I, and then I still, they've been gracious enough to, to allow me to still have my time to, to devote to a clinic day and, and to, um, my, you know, kind of one-off consulting and, and training business with mind. Okay. So you have a training business also training, Training ODs or training athletes? Tra training um, athletes, coaches, athletic trainers, athletic departments on how to implement um, anything in this vision, cognitive type of domain. You know, they'll ask me what technologies or, you know, anytime I'm coming to them, I'm bringing them, you know, two or new th three things that I've found or other companies have sent me to try out. So we, we've kind of become a test ground for a lot of technology and emerging technology um, and kind of a key opinion leader for a lot of different um, companies in that space. Anything else you're doing right now? You got the, the, the clinical day where you're doing ortho K and these kind yeah. of performances. You work for Synaptech. You have Mind Performance Institute, correct? Is that, is that the yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, anything else that you're doing? I coach a little bit, but that's right, it. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, I, I, I want to finish up with, tell me a little about your personal life because every time I call you, 
uh, you're in your backyard. I think you have a small horse farm. Uh, yeah, you always we- tell me about Reese and Grant and and their accomplishments. Just recently, when I asked you to be on this podcast, you sent me a picture of uh, Grant with this, uh, you know, jersey that he got, uh, you know, from someone in the NFL, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, yeah. He, so he tell gets me a lot about of swag. your personal life, like all these decisions. Wh- where did it take you personally? Um, personally, you know, in, in my professional life right now, you know, where I'm at, I'm 43 years old. And, um, you know, we all, I think I still feel, you know, I'm getting ready to go to my 25th high school reunion in a couple of weeks here. So I still don't feel like it's been that long. Um, but I'm really excited for where I'm at right now. Um, if I miss a soccer game or a football game or anything, it's because my wife and I have to split tasks. You know, one of us okay. going with one kid one way and the other one. But if it's happening, you know, I'm there for it, you know, and every concert, every event, um, I'm there and I'm present. And I think that's super important while the kids are are in the house. You know, I've got the rest of my life I can work. If they go to college, if they decide to go straight into a trade, um, I can ramp up any of these that's things right. that I'm doing. Um, but right now I'm not going to get those years and that time back. So, so that's, I'm really happy with where that balance is. It sounds like a lot to uh, most people I talk to, they say they don't know how I balance it, but it's honestly the most organized fashion for me to work in. And I think a lot of people when they were in college, a lot of our colleagues, you know, we were seeing, you know, we were students, but we were on, you know, some sort of scholarly board. Maybe we were also in a fraternity or sorority. We also played a sport like, we juggled a lot of things. And then I think a lot of people stop juggling lots of things. And, and I've always been able to juggle them efficiently. Um, and I'm just excited to see where it goes in the next five or 10 years. Well, me too. I have to tell you, you know, I wrote a few things down and there's a common denominator because I don't want people to listen to this interview and say, well, I need to do ortho K or I need to do a sports performance. I need to do VT. I need to do. You don't. You're just talking about the emperor. Your philosophy has been relationships. You had a vision, whatever that vision was from your home optometrist. You buy this small practice. You develop a good reputation within your community. Trust. That's what you call it, trust. That trust took you to a larger office. You bonded with your patients where they're talking to you at the restaurants and things like that. Then yes. you, you build your own building, having your own family in mind. Again, relationships, things like that. Don't worry. It's not my dogs. That's all I'm happy about. It's not my dogs barking because I That's have a, a house full of dogs. That so is as long my- as it's on your end, it's fine. That is my blind and deaf uh, dog that we adopted during the pandemic. You know, everybody had their pandemic thing. That's right. We got a good, blind and deaf dog. You know, good for you. Well, that that sounds right because your life is too quiet, it's too peaceful. That's right. So it's that trust, and then you you open this practice, you you sell it, and now all you talked about working with athletes is doing the best job you can. Just like you told me, I spent a half an hour with a patient, Nick. I'm mm-hmm. spending the best quality time with my athletes. They're referring friends and family. My ortho K patients are referring friends and family. And and your vision has stayed throughout. I mean, you said it. I ain't going to open up Saturdays. There's very few, even me. You know, when I opened my practice, I felt I needed to be open seven days a week. So, and I found out that was a mistake because it went against everything that I, I felt I should be doing, like being with my kids early on. You stood by those values. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I saw, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's my upbringing. Maybe it's, um, you know, my dad standing on a factory floor, you know, he was a mechanic and he was coming home grease and dirt and smelling like diesel fuel. And those are the good memories I still have, but he just had to work his tail off for us. And, and they, he did it. My mom did it so that we wouldn't have to do those same things. And so we could be present. Um, and so maybe that's, that's a, a, a core part of it is, um, I realized while the kids are young, I want to be here and available and accessible and experience as much as I can with them. Um, and right now they're having a blast with it and maybe it turns into career opportunities for them. They're, they've already kind of caught those little entrepreneurial bugs. You know, my, yeah. my 11 year old has a Blackberry. He sells fresh Blackberries every summer. And the first summer he did it, he had one bush and made 200 bucks. Wow. Last year that last year, the bush got bigger. He made 400 bucks and he cut off the shoots and he planted 11 of them. And now he has 13 bushes and he just sold 10, I don't know, 10 pounds worth, 20 pounds worth to the local brewery. Who's going to make a blackberry beer and donate part of the proceeds to a charity that he picked like and he's 11 I, and he's 11. And I wasn't doing that stuff when I was 11. Oh, I didn't even know that was possible. So that's what I really like is, is the kids are getting to see and experience lots of different ways of making a life, not just making a living, you know, right. you don't, you don't want to just make a ton of money or, or if it's not, if you're not making memories too. So, so they're seeing there's ways to, to enjoy life, enjoy your work where it's, it's cliche to say where it doesn't feel like you're working. And, and I'm at that point right now. I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. I want more people to experience it and do it. Very good. Well, anything else you want to say to the listeners? Uh, you've really given us a nice picture, something to aspire to, including myself. Um, I think I think the big thing, like you said, is commit to it. Uh, it's it's so some of these decisions. I think we get decision paralysis, and and I think a lot of us are anxious in nature, and maybe have some. Uh, OCD personality disorder types of, you know, we want to control everything and, and, and the unknown is scary. Yep. Um, but the unknown can be just as rewarding or more so. So uh, don't let those habits, you know, if you carve out that time for yourself to make these big plans, don't let a red eye sneak into it. Let somebody else see the red eye. If it can wait till you're done with your admin time, be done. You know, don't let a call, don't, don't, kick out of the office early to go get your hair cut, you know, like use that time for what you carved out, yeah. carved it out for. Um, and then, you know, find a mentor, you know, I know we're far miles and miles apart, Nick, but uh, everything you said to, to me in that first supercharge, I felt like it was like laser, just like engraved right in my brain. And I wanted to roll with it, you know? So if listeners can, can attend your symposium, it's worth every penny, you know? And mm -hmm. Um, and like you mentioned, as you, as you start to cut down your volume, you can, your demand and your value goes up and, yep. uh, and I've realized that and, and you can create and, and continue to put out a premium product when you do that. Uh, otherwise your own system gets stagnant. So, um, I think that's all important. Well, I appreciate it, Jeff. You know, uh, you, you're a very special person, whether you realize it or not. You make decisions. I'm sure you have to shake in your boots here and there, 
but you still keep going. You know, that's the whole thing. All of us have fear, but it's making decisions and moving forward despite that fear, not in its absence, but, you know, in its presence and still moving forward. Yeah. And, and all of my decisions, you know, have not worked out. You know, I've made decisions that have been failures. I've made, right. I've had to pivot. I've had to, I changed my ortho K program uh, a few times over to figure out what worked in my right. demographic and my patient base. Sports vision is this constantly evolving. I like that yep. challenge of figuring out the different models, even all the different teams I consult with and coaches every single one of them is unique. There's no template that works across the board. I get doctors that are asking for help on that. And uh, there is no template, you know, everybody's needs are unique. And, and I like that challenge. Yep. There is no template and we'll, we'll leave it at that. There's no template for marriage, for raising a family, for running a practice. You got to roll with it, knowing you are going to get your butt kicked from time to time. But like you said, you know, going past that fear, the unknown is there's a lot of good there in the unknown. You just have to commit to it. Yeah. We, we can all think back in our past and really negative times. And then in hindsight, now they turned into great opportunities. And so, uh, you know, there's, like I said, I've made mistakes, I've made some bad decisions, but, um, but I keep trucking and keep going forward and, and hopefully, improving myself, improving everything for, for my family and, and for the, the lives I get to affect through, you know, whether it's training or consulting or, or ortho K or whatever, you know, hopefully I'm making other people's lives better too. I'm sure you are made my life better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I appreciate, I know it's late on a Friday where I asked you to do this. I think the right. attendees got a lot of good stuff out of it. So on that note, I hope, are you coming to vision by design this year? We, I cannot make it this year. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually going to be at a football, uh, college football event. So I'm going to be out of town that weekend. All right. You don't have to rub it in. You could just say, uh, I'm not going to be here. All <laughs> next right. year, next year. Right. Pennsylvania. So right. thank you for listening until next time. I'm committed to interviewing other movers and shakers in our field. Be well and have a great day. Bye-bye.